Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nothing Ventured Primer with me, Arish Shah. Today, I am really excited to have with me in the studio, Arthur Sarola Hashemi. Arthur is an investment manager at Karma Ventures, an early stage fund specialized in late seed to series A deep tech ventures, creating innovative technologies with commercial traction. Prior to joining Karma, Arthur worked on the operating side of venture, running finance and startups, ultimately as VP of finance and VP of strategic products uh, projects at FitXR, a VR, AR fitness company. Arthur, it's really great to have you in the studio with me today. Thanks, Arish. So let's dive straight in. Uh, I would love uh, for you to give our audience a bit of background about yourself, run us through your kind of resume and how you got into venture. Sure thing. So I think it's a little bit of a stereotype to say that you have like an untraditional path into venture. People often say, oh, you know, I, it's not very traditional. I did five years of investment banking at Goldman Sachs <laughs> and then, you know, met someone who worked in venture and made my way in there. But I never imagined that I'd be a venture capitalist. Uh, I think on the other side, I have what it is or should be at least a much more traditional route into venture. So I um, graduated in, uh, from LSE in, with a degree in economics and then went to work at Deloitte um, to get accounting qualifications. So spent five years getting uh, my ACA and CTA and working on a mix of tax structuring and due diligence on large private equity transactions and then... Uh, innovation tax work, so patent box and R&D credits with kind of loss-making, highly innovative startups and uh, sort of technology companies. So on one side of things, sort of adding very little real-world value <laughs> and very much sort of financial side. And then on the other side, getting more cash to fund real-world innovations. And then at the end of that, I realized that I wasn't really cut out for that kind of Deloitte corporate world. I wasn't getting a lot of energy from the work I was doing. It was a lot of the same thing, different project. So I thought, what's the complete other end of the spectrum to that? And the work I was enjoying the most was on the R&D and patent box side. So um, my brother also worked in startups and kind of through him met a few different like people in the startup space and then joined uh young company called TrueLayer, who's open banking startup out of London. I think we were about 20 people at the time I joined. I mean, that's one of the success stories of, of London, isn't it, TrueLayer? Yeah, I mean, it's got gone from success to success. I'd love to claim sort of a great <laughs> part in it, but I was very much finding my feet there and learning from some really talented people. Um, I think, you know, it was just a when the people describe a rocket ship, it really felt that way and doing everything from information security audits to doing the accounts to learning about how actually a, like a startup or scale up of that size works and how it scales. So I couldn't have asked for a better company to learn that the startup side of things at. So did that for about two years from series A through to about series C. Mm -hmm. Then I left and joined FedExR, where I was VP of finance. And then um, once I, after sort of a year and a half of that, where Oculus Quest had been released, the market really changed from headwind of no one believing in VR, no one really thinking it was a bit gimmicky and no one 
really using it to on the release of the quest and then later on on the quest 2 being a massive tailwind and benefiting from some of the metaverse hype of 2021 well plus the pandemic where you had a lot of people <coughs> buy in fact i think at one point the oculus was kind of uh out of stock for a while because 100%. everyone was trying to use it you know as a fitness and especially on the fitness side yeah like with gym shot it was really kind of everyone looking for new ways to work out peloton did really well in that anything yeah. work out from home but fit xr we definitely benefited a lot from that traction or at least um when when lockdowns were still active um, so then at the start of 2022 in March, I had a baby and, uh, sort of as part of that was doing a little bit of soul searching of if I'm spending time away from my child, I really want to be doing something which I really love doing. And whilst I really love the companies I worked at and the people I worked with, it wasn't really the work that I wanted to be doing in the long term. And it was very taxing to do this early stage journey, which was where I got the most energy then mm. like series C onwards when you're more optimizing you're preparing for IPO you're making a very efficient company yeah, that was more systems and processes I guess by that 100% stage. it's it was just not what I was specialized in and what I enjoyed doing the most and the energy I was getting was from fundraising conversations in those kind of series A series B of finding sort of finance product market fit where mm. pricing everything going in the right direction and how do you build the company how does this actually scale and then so as part of that I had a baby also had a baby with a fin so it's kind of written into the Finnish constitution that you then must move to <laughs> Finland uh, so at the start of uh, at, when I came back from work I moved into a chief of staff role so VP of strategic projects and then uh, talked to my CEO and said I want to make a move into venture. Let me help you kind of get the right person in for finance, set everything up so that all of my knowledge is kind of safely here and then m help me make that transition in a way which works for both me and the company. Um, so then at the beginning of this year, I moved to Karma Ventures. It's an Estonian-based fund. Um, and I'll uh, touch a little bit on what we invested in, but moved to Helsinki at the same time. So short boat trip away, it's kind of the equivalent of commuting to Cambridge. If I need to go there, it's really not not so difficult at all. Um, but uh, made the move into venture in January, so relatively new into the investment side of things, but spent a long time working in startups in the in London and in the finance side of things. Amazing. So we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that transition from kind of operating finance into venture. It's something that. I'm incredibly keen to understand more of being in finance myself, but also wanting to move into, into venture at some point mm -hmm. uh, during my career. But <clears throat> let's talk about Karma for a second. So um, where do you invest? What are the geographies you invest in? How large is the fund? What stages? What uh, sort of check sizes? Give us a bit of a rundown of how the fund operates. Okay, so the fund was originally, so Margus and Christian, two of the, uh, of the partners, used to manage the family office of the Skype founding engineers. Mm -hmm. So uh, Skype was founded by two uh, business people who went on to start Atomico, and then there were four yeah. Estonian engineers who worked on the original sort of technology that went on to become Skype. Um, so the original thesis of that was software deep tech, leveraging the kind of knowledge and expertise on the tech side of the f Skype founding engineers, and then on the business side of Margus and Christian. Mm -hmm. uh, then that then decided to go in a different 
way and go into more of a fund of fun style. So Karma Ventures spun out of that. They joined with uh, Tommy Uhari, who's a partner out of Oulu in Finland. He brings a background from Nokia and various semiconductor, uh, large billion dollar PL. So he brings a lot of more like big tech experience. Mm. And they started Karma in 2016 uh, with a 70 million dollar fund. We just raised a new 100 million dollar fund. Uh, in 2021, end of 2021, and um, and uh, in, in the process of investing that. So it's software deep tech is the thesis. So kind of buzzwordy, what does that really mean? The way I like to think of it is companies that get value on an array of different factors. So some on technological innovation, some on business and market innovation, and software deep tech are the ones which lean further on real solving real technological or engineering risk mm-hmm. in the initial stages and that being the kind of value of the companies obtained more from there than from coming at the market from a different angle with a product so a, lo- a company i like to use as the kind of other end is say klarna out of sweden incredibly great company very difficult to build and scale and to get it profitable at that there's not really a technology product it's a financial product wrapped in technology exactly so it's not easy to build but it's there was not really the engineering risk there was finding product market fit was their acceptance in the market of their product rather than will it actually work um as the kind of core thesis yeah uh so the team is mostly based out of Tallinn in estonia we're an investment team of seven um so now so um no, sorry, total team of nine, investment team of six. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's three of us on the junior side and three partners. Uh, and I'm sort of one of the first ones to be based outside of, of Tallinn. But we invest across Europe, but with a special love for uh, the Baltics, uh, given the presence in Estonia and my own presence in uh, Finland. I like to look also at the Nordics. Amazing. I mean, uh, just whilst you were talking, I, I'd completely forgotten that Nokia had come out of <laughs> come out of the Nordics as well. I mean, there there is actually a, a, a huge history of, I guess, technological innovation um, from those regions. And again, we're going to touch on those in the main podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you were to think in in terms of deep tech, you know, there are three companies that you're uh, super excited about right now, or or even more broadly than that. Um, you know what is exciting you within within the space of deep deep tech, especially given obviously the explosion we've had of LLMs and uh, ChatGPT and so on and so forth. All all kind of great, but like a lot of the stuff that's being all built on top of that is is not really deep tech in the sense that yes, it it's built on top of deep tech, but in itself yeah. is not deep tech, right? Um, so yeah, what what what's kind of exciting you in the space at the moment? So I'll try not to touch too much on individual companies, A, because I don't want to say talk my own book too much, and B, in, in deep tech, you really don't know who the like companies that are, like everyone has great technology and you don't know who's going to gain traction or adopt yeah. it. So I don't think it's easy to pick, say, three, which are, you're super excited about because, you know, a cu- like a good case in our portfolio recently was there was a company who had been building something for a long time and like struggling to get the right customer in and then suddenly landing one like large extremely large like tech company as a client and that drastically changing the profile of the business so it's difficult to call and i don't think it's fair to any of the companies in the portfolio to do that so i think on the other side i 
I'll talk a little bit more about themes or yeah. like things which I'm excited about. So um, I think my time at TrueLayer really gave me a love of companies who enable other companies to build new products or scale out new industries. So I think a lot of that, like you, you've touched on LLMs and sort of the AI side, so MLOps and data ops companies who mm. take a lot of the kind of pain out of building these like amazing tools because the limited pool of talent who actually have the ability to scale these up. Um, and then from VR and AR, I'm really interested in companies who are building the future of kind of building immersive entertainment. So mm -hmm. one of the big pain points of VR and AR at the moment is it's so expensive to build any immersive experience. Like 70% of the teams at VR and AR companies are artists just to design the area. It's not actually programmatic, like programmatically expanding these worlds. It's like, hey, you actually need to create all of these assets. In a video game, you don't have sort of a traditional video game. You don't interact with anything. So no. they don't actually need to build it out. But to build kind of immersive VR experiences, you actually have to design the whole world. You have to create a universe, yeah. Exactly. So one company based out of Norway is called Sloyd. They're trying to build AI-powered 3D asset creation or the ability to create mass versions of a single asset, which are each actually customized to retain the sense of immersion in a game. You don't want to have just like a library of pre-built assets, which are all the same. Um, but a company like that, where they're taking a lot of the pain points out of creation of, of uh, interactive media. And uh, I think on the, on the last side, I'd say, I don't know, I haven't come up with the right term for it, but sort of sound technologies, I think. Mm. Um, spatial audio is big in, obviously, in spatial computing, VR and AR. So companies who are enabling real-world spatial audios or simulation of it, and especially synthetic data, that this is kind of popular in and outside of sound, but synthetic data within the world of sound is also much more difficult to create organically than say simulating something which is way more populated because it's m so specific and mm. your ears are m much more able to pick out weird minutia which sound out of place and just jar you than say visually if something in the background is slightly off it, your brain blends it out blends a lot it out more. yeah 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 um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy because I mean, I think when you know when when most people hear deep tech, they think maybe hardware, they think uh, you know large sort of uh, compute heavy kind of businesses, very mm -hmm. software heavy heavy businesses, um, uh, but don't necessarily think through all the kind of you know the the, the broad range that, that actually covers, right? Which which you've obviously explained there. Um, I think look, we're going to get into some of this stuff uh, in the main podcast. Uh, for the meantime, Arthur, great to have you here in the studio. And obviously for the audience, remember, we'll be dropping the main episode uh, on Friday. So if you're listening to this uh, on uh, Tuesday when it releases, uh, the main episode will come out on Friday. So do not miss it. Uh, looking forward to diving straight into the main episode, Arthur. Great to have you here.